ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so carrying on then with the chapter of the Jana'is, going into a little more detail with some of the ahadith, we now come to the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha qalat, Kuffina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi thalafati athwabin beeb sahuriyya min kursuf. ليس فيها قميص ولا عمامة متفق عليه وعن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال لما توفي عبد الله ابن أبي ابن سلول جاء ابنه إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال أعطني قميصك أكفنه فيه فَأَعْطَاهُ إِيَّاهُ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ These two hadith are talking about the topic of shrouding. The shrouding of the deceased person. هذان الحديثان في موضوع كفن الميت. الحديث الأول فيه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كفنا في ثلاثة أثواب يعني ثلاث لفائف بعضها فوق بعض أدرج فيها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إدراجا The first hadith tells us that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he was shrouded in three cloths he was shrouded in three cloths, all of them wrapped above one another. And these three cloths were beeb, white. هذا فيه دليل على اختيار البياض. This indicates that the garments, the cloth, used for shrouding the deceased should be white. وَأَنَّهُ يُسْتَحَبْ أَنْ يَكُونَ الْكَفَنْ مِنْ اللَّوْنَ الْأَبْيَضِ And that it is mustahab to do the shrouding in white cloths. وَهَذَا مِنْ بَابِ الْأَفْضَلِيَّةِ and this is a recommendation, something which is better to use the white garments or the white cloths. فَإِن لَمْ يَتَيَسَّرْ الْأَبْيَضِ يُكَفَّنْ بِأَيِّ شَيْءٍ يَتَيَسَّرْ If white is not possible, you do not have white cloths to do the shrouding in, then any other color is possible too, 
but it's just that if you have the white, then that is the preferred, the preferred, the recommended color to use. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was shrouded he was shrouded in three white cloths and the description of them is given تنسج الثياب فأضيف تنسج الثياب فأضيف إليها so this was a place in Yemen where that cloth used to be made and so it became known by the name of that place Sahulia the place was called Sahul so he was shrouded in these three white garments the Sahulia garments made from and known from that place in Yemen Min kursuf, kursuf meaning cotton, three cotton white sheets. Laysa fiha, and within these cloths and this shrouding, there was no qamis wala imama. There was no qamis meaning tailored garments. There was nothing tailored. There was nothing sewn. It was just sheets. وَلَيْسَ فِيهَا عَمَامَ عَلَى رأس. And there was no turban or head uh, gear. بَلْ إِنَّهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وُضِعَ عَلَى هَذِهِ اللَّفَائِفِ وَهِيَ مَبْسُوطَةِ بَعْضُهَا فَوْقَ بَعْضُ so these three cloths were laid out and the Prophet was placed upon them and then those cloths were wrapped upon him from head to toe. So this is how you do with a deceased man. فيستحب أن يكفن الرجل في ثلاثة أثواب يعني ثلاث لفائف. So a male should be shrouded in three sheets. يدرج فيها إدراجا وتعقد عليه. So those are then wrapped up upon him and then tied up. وإذا وضع في القبر إذا وضع في القبر تحل العقد. And when you put him into the grave, then you untie the knots. Initially, when you shroud and you wrap up the shroud and you tie it up. And then you carry the body to the grave. Once it's in the grave, untie the knots. That is something mentioned. Uh, it is mustahab to have those untied. Just leave it wrapped, but untied now. But initially, when you're carrying the body, it requires to be tied. Otherwise, the shroud will become loose. وَإِنْ كُفِّنَ بِثَوْبٍ وَاحِدٍ يَعْنِي بِلِفَافَ وَاحِدًا تُغَطِّيهِ كُلِّهِ هَذَا هُوَ الْقَدْرَ الْأَقَلْ وَالْمُجْزِي If you only had one sheet, then it is permissible and it is the minimum as long as that one sheet covers the body of the deceased as the minimum, it is acceptable. 
فلا بد من ثوب يستر جميع بدن الميت. You just have to have a sheet that will cover the whole of the body of the deceased at least. والأفضل أن يزاد عليه ثلاثة لفائف. It's better of course if you have it that you should use three sheets. But one is the minimum as long as all of the body is covered if you don't have more. If you have more then you should go to three sheets. وأن لا يجعل على رأسه شيء كالعمامة أو ما يلبس على رأس. And the head of the man, you should not put onto the head of the man the normal type of headgear that you wear. The, the head scarf or the hat. These types of things are not put onto the head of the deceased. You don't put any additional head garments or headgear, the scarves or the hats onto the head of the deceased. بَلْ يُكْتَفَى بِلَفِّهِ بِالْكَفَنِ But you just wrap him up in that uh, the uh, shrouding. وَيُعْطَى كُلُّهُ بِحَيْثْ لَا يَبْدُو مِنْهُ شَيْءٍ And that shrouding must cover the whole of the body, shouldn't be any parts left out. فَإِذَا وُضِعَ فِي اللَّحْدِ يَبْقَى عَلَى مَا هُوَ عَلَيْهِ ولكن تحل العقد فقط ولا يكشف وجهه كما يقول بعض الناس بل يترك مغطى. So when you put the body into the grave, you don't uncover the face and do anything. You just untie those knots in the shroud, in the garment, in the uh, sheets. Just untie the knots. It's still wrapped up and you leave it as it is there. You don't uncover the face or anything else. In the second hadith here, the hadith of Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma qal Lama tuufiya Abdullah ibn Abi ibn Salul Jaa abnuhu ila Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Faqal a'atini qamisaka ukaffinhu fi fa'atahu iyaah In this hadith it says The hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma That when Abdullah the son of Abu ibn Salul, Abdullah ibn uh, Ubay ibn Salul, when he, and he was who of course, Amma Hadith Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, who was this individual? So he was from the head of the hypocrites, Abdullah ibn Ubay. Ibn Salul, huwa Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, ra'as al-munafiqeen. He was the head of the hypocrites. Wa kana sharran fi hayati. And he was evil during his life. Yu'adhi al-muslimina wa yu'adhi al-rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He harmed the Muslims and he harmed the messenger with his hypocrisy. لِأَنَّهُ آمَنَ بِلِسَانِهِ وَلَمْ يُؤْمِنْ بِقَلْبِهِ He believed with his tongue, but he did not believe with his heart. فَهُوَ رَأْسُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ So he is from the head, the head of the hypocrites. وَكَانَ لَهُ إِبْنْ صَالِحِ But he actually did have a righteous son. He did though actually have a righteous son. Min khiyari sahaba who was from the best of the companions. He had a righteous son from the best of the companions, Muslim. 
even though he himself was the head of the hypocrites. Abdullah, And it is mentioned his son was called Abdullah. فَلَمَّا تُوفِيَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ إِبْنْ سَلُولِ جَاءَ إِبْنُهُ وَقَدْ حَمَلَتْهُ الشَّفَقَةُ عَلَى أَبِيهِ So when Abdullah ibn Salul died, his son, from his compassion for his father, came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said to him, give me your garment so I can shroud him in it. Give me your garment so I can shroud him in it. فَأَعْطَاهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى عِسَلَّمْ ثَوْبَهُ فَكُفِّنَا فِيهِ So the Prophet وسلم, gave him his garment and he was shrouded in it. لِأَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى عِسَلَّمْ لَا يَرُدُّ سَائِلًا And the Prophet وسلم, didn't used to reject the request of those coming and asking. وَلِأَنَّ هَذَا الْإِبْنَ رَجُلْ صَالِحٍ And because this son, this man was a righteous man. أجاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم طلبه لصلاحه رضي الله عنه. So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم accepted that request and gave him the garment for the good of the son. He was a righteous son. ولما فيه من تأليف وحسن خلق النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. And that also brings about love and it brings about the good feeling. That you ask something of somebody and they accept and they give you. So that was something of goodness that occurred. And it was from the good manners of the Prophet Sallallahu <laughs> So this, now when you think about it, the garment was going to go to one of the biggest enemies of the Prophet But the son of that man was righteous and the Prophet decided for the good of the son and to show goodness to him that he would accept his request and he gave it to him. فالمناسبة من ذكر هذا الحديث أن فيه جواز تكفين الميت في القميص المخيط وأنه لو كفن الميت في ثوب مخيط أجزأ ذلك ولكن تكفينه بما سبق كتكفين الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم أفضل This indicates therefore that the individual was shrouded in the garment of the Prophet The garment was obviously something sewn and stitched and tailored wasn't just a sheet. In the previous narrations we've learned that the shrouding should be done with just a sheet. One minimum, three better sheets, not tailored and sewn into any shape. Here, the garment of the Prophet was taken to use as the shrouding. That was obviously a tailored garment. The hadith therefore proves that even though sheets are what are supposed to be used, Sheets are what should be used. It is permissible, it is permissible to use tailored garments to do the shrouding. 
Here, that's what happened. A tailored garment was used for the shrouding. The Prophet ﷺ gave it and allowed it to be used, indicating that it is permissible and it counts. The shrouding has been done. You have fulfilled the Islamic right of shrouding the person. Even if it is now with that tailored garment, the right of shrouding the person has been fulfilled. So it counts. But what should be done though, like we said, the preference is, the mustahab is, that it should be the sheets. Depends. For a garment, it's not really going to be possible to shroud, so it would assume, it would assume that it is upon a worn method, because a garment is not going to be sufficient to shroud in. So it would be assumed it was in the worn method. rasul, but with, like we said in the previous narrations, everything is covered. So even if it was in some form of a worn method, it would still have to somehow be used in a way to cover the body fully. Here the Sheikh mentions it. A, a normal garment, tailored garment, if you use that and put it on the deceased just as a normal garment like this thobe, you put it onto the deceased as a thobe, you put it on him. And then you maybe use something else to do the rest of the covering from the bottom and the top, but the actual thobe is just on his body as a thobe. Then it is correct and it fulfills the Islamic right of shrouding. وَفِيهِ كَرَمْ أَخْلَاقِهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَتَعَامُلِهِ مَعَ أَعْدَائِهِ وَأَنَّهُ كَانَ يَرُدُّ عَلَى سَيِّئَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ وَيَتَأَلَّفْ الْمُسْلِمِينَ عَلَى الْإِسْلَامِ So even though that hypocrite himself was from the most of the enemies, from the greatest of the enemies against the Prophet the Prophet didn't reply back with any evil when the son came was Muslim, the Prophet showed him good manners and accepted his request and gave him the garment. Shows the great mannerisms of the Prophet Then, وَعَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالَ إِلْبَسُوا مِنْ ثِيَابِكُمُ الْبَيَاضِ فَإِنَّهَا خَيْرُ ثِيَابِكُمْ وَكَفِّنُوا فِيهَا مَوْتَاكُمْ رَوَاهُ الْخَمْسَ إِلَّا النَّسَاءِ وَصَحَّحَهُ الترمذي. In this hadith of Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said what? إِلْبَسُوا مِنْ ثِيَابِكُمُ الْبَيَاضِ What color clothes did the Prophet ﷺ say you should wear? White. فَإِنَّهَا خَيْرُ ثِيَابِكُمْ Because they are the best of your garments. And كَفِّنُوا فِيهَا مَوْتَاكُمْ Shroud your deceased in them, i.e. in white. Garments, white sheets. 
So the Prophet ﷺ said, wear the white garments, for indeed they are the best of your garments, and shroud the deceased in them. So if there are no white sheets available and there are no white garments cloth available and the only one available is black, is it allowed to be used? We said before, it is allowed if you don't have white, it's not available to you, then you use what you have. To fulfill the shrouding, you need to shroud the body. If you don't have white, use whatever else you have. So if that's all you had, then you would use it. So in this hadith, now we learn about the usage of white, and that white is the preferred color. In the previous hadith, it had actually already mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ was buried and shrouded yani, in three white sheets. That was already mentioned in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. Dhukira fi hadith Aisha anna Nabi sallam kuffina fi thalafati athwabin beed. This is a point. In the initial washing of the body of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi we discussed that hadith, how they were inspired to do the washing over his garments, over his clothes. So does that mean later on, when it comes to the shrouding, that he was shrouded above his clothes too? Allahu alam. It would assume so. It would have to be looked into. It would be assumed so. Because if they were told not to remove his clothes for the washing, same thing afterwards, not to remove his clothes for the shrouding. But Allah alam, I've never come across it here. We can look into that. This one now says, perhaps the Shaykh may mention something. فَفِيهِ إِسْتِحْبَابِ اِخْتِيَارِ اللَّوْنَ الْأَبْيَضِ فِي اللِّبَاسِ فِي حَالَةِ الْحَيَاةِ وَاخْتِيَارُهُ فِي تَكْفِينِ الْأَمْوَاتِ فهو أفضل الألوان للرجال لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إلبسوا من ثيابكم البياض وكفنوا فيها موتاكم فالبياض للرجال هو الأفضل في حالة الحياة. So white is the best color for the men to wear. White is the best color for the men to wear. The men, for their choice, when they're alive, the white is the best of the colors to wear because of this hadith clearly telling us that. وَفِي حَالَةِ الْمَوْتِ And when somebody dies, men and women, the best choice is the color of white. As for when women are alive, then the best choice is what? Black. Yellow, dark colors, you're going to make all of your wives wear black and dark colors inside the house? They can't wear any pink and yellow in the house? So it depends. In the house it's one thing. 
outside the house another thing. Red, no problem in the house. Red, yellow, pink, whatever you want to do. But outside of the house, then it must be something that does not attract attention. That's the basic rule. It doesn't have to be black. Something that doesn't attract attention. So it could be dark blue, it could be dark brown, it could be black, it could be dark green. Any type of color is okay as long as it is something that does not attract attention. If it's a type of garment with a color which is attracting everyone's attention, no good. It needs to be something that does not attract the attention. Otherwise it doesn't matter, it could be black, blue, green, whatever. As long as it is something which is not going to attract the eye of the people. And that's why it's not going to have any decorations, any type of fancy things on it. But the actual color, it can be any variation of colors as long as they are not attracting attention. But for the men, for the men it is mentioned to wear white. That is the best. They have the white to wear the white. Then in the hadith, of Jabir radiyallahu anhu qal qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam idha kaffana ahadukum akhahu falyuhassin kafanahu rawahu muslim the prophet sallallahu said if one of you shrouds his brother somebody has died and you are going to do the shrouding. Then do the shrouding properly, carefully, precisely, neatly, how it's supposed to be done. Do it good. Who is going to do the shrouding of his brother, then he should do it good. Do it proper and good and precise. And this hadith therefore clearly indicates that you need to do that shrouding properly and good. Two key things to remember. What does it mean when we say do the shrouding good? Two things to remember. Number one, To do the shrouding good, the first point is that you select the right types of Garments and cloths, so you should try and find the white, try and find something reasonably thick, try and find something which is good and suitable, that's part of shrouding properly. Shrouding properly and shrouding in a good manner that you choose and select and get some proper cloth and good cloth and the right color if possible and get the three sheets if possible. That is all part of the process of shrouding good and proper. Secondly, an yuhsina takfina. بأن يكفن الميت تكفينا حسنا بحيث يضع الكفن على جسمه ويغطيه به على الكفي على الكيفية الشرعية. Secondly, the actual manner of putting it on and folding it over, that you know how to put it on properly onto the body parts and fold it over properly. Somebody doesn't know what they're doing, just putting the cloth here, there, everywhere starts falling, coming apart. That's no good. The second point is that you do the shrouding properly. That you know how to tie it up properly and how to shape it up properly around the head, the feet, the body and do the, the tying etc. 
you know how to do that all properly. That is all part of the goodness in the shrouding. So there are two points to note when the hadith says make sure you do the shrouding properly. One is the actual cloths and everything that you get. You know which ones to get, what type to get, what color to get. The three cloths, you do all of that. Then once you have all of that, the second part of shrouding good is that you actually do the physical process properly. You know how to tie it up and how to uh, fold it up, etc. Then after that, oh. is what? Cotton, the Prophet, it was mentioned he was shrouded in cotton, cotton cloth. So it would perhaps indicate a person who follows that and gets the cotton sheets, then that is good. Certainly, the Prophet ﷺ, they used cotton sheets. So if you were to get cotton sheets, that is perfectly good. And that would indicate that you're doing it in the same manner as it was done by the Sahaba. So that would be a good choice. The purpose is that the cloth is going to be something suitable. So you wouldn't pick something that is weak, for example, a weak cloth that you're carrying the body and it tears. Or a cloth that is faint and see-through. These are all things that a person who does the shrouding good needs to be aware of. So he knows what type of cloth to get that is going to be reasonably strong. It's going to hold together properly certain types of cloth. Maybe they fold off and, and they fall off each other, slide off easily and things. So you got to know the, the cloth and the, the thickness and then how to actually put it on and do the folding. Have a question? Oh. Then... كان the next hadith of Jabir as well وعنه قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يجمع بين الرجلين من قتل أحد في ثوب واحد ثم يقول أيهم أكثر أخذا للقرآن فيقدمه في اللحد ولم يغصلوا ولم يصل عليه in this hadith it mentions And this hadith is talking about the shuhada of Uhud This hadith is talking about the shuhada of Uhud It mentions that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Used to get two men within one garment it explains how they used to put them into one garment. Thumma yaqul, and then he used to say, which of them has more Qur'an memorized? That is the one who would be put in first. The Shaykh says, هذا الحديث في شهداء أحد كيف عمل مع جنائزهم وأحد هو الجبل المشهور شمال المدينة حصلت عنده وقعة وقعت أحد بين رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وبين قريش الذين غزوا المدينة لينتقموا لأنفسهم مما حصل عليهم في واقعة بدر. So we know about the famous battle of Uhud, the one that happened after the battle of Badr. The kuffar they came back for revenge, and this happened وكانت في سنة الثالثة من الهجرة in the third year of Hijra. ولما التقى الجمعان وكان المسلمون يسيرون على الخطة التي رسمها الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم. So when the two armies met and the army of the Muslims were implementing the plan that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم had put together for them, انتصروا. They were victorious. 
الغنائم, and they began to collect the war booty. They had won the kuffar were retreating. ولكن كان أناس وضعهم الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم على على الجبل يحرسون ظهور المسلمين وأوصاهم أن لا يتركوا الجبل فلما رأوا الانتصار وجمع وجمع الغنائم ظنوا أن المعركة قد انتهت فنزلوا عن الجبل وخالفوا أمر الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم. As part of that plan in the battle of Uhud, the Prophet had stationed had put some men on top of a smaller mountain next to Mount Uhud. They were standing on top of that with bows and arrows, protecting the, the other side from behind so that no kuffar could sneak in from behind an attack. So the Prophet ﷺ had told them to stay there, don't come down, stay there and keep looking in case the kuffar, they try to sneak in from the other side so then they can hit them with the arrows. So they stayed there and the Prophet ﷺ had the rest of the plan and the Muslims practiced, implemented the plan and they won. And the kuffar were running. So then the Muslims were picking up the war booty. Those ones on top of the smaller mountain, now known as the mountain of, mountain of the archers, when they saw that the kuffar, that's it, they've been defeated. The Muslims have won. They're picking up all of the war booty. The war booty, what's that? After they won the battle, the kuffar left behind all of their things. They ran away. So the Muslims were picking everything up, all of those things, the war booty. So when those ones on the small mountain saw that, they thought that's it, the war is, the battle is finished. So they said, let's go down. But the leader, he told them, do not go down. But the rest of them said, but that's it, it's finished. The Muslims have won, we've won, let's go now. But the Prophet ﷺ had told them what? Whatever happens, you just stay there. But they thought that's it, it doesn't matter now, the battle is finished, so we can go. So they went. The leader they say did not go, but the rest of them went. So when they went down, فَلَمَّا رَأَى الْمُشْرِكُونَ أَنَّ الْجَبَلْ قَدْ فَرَغْ دَارُوا مِنْ وَرَائِهِ فَانْقَضُّوا عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنَ الْخَلْقِ So when they came down, and the kuffar were running away, then the kuffar noticed that those bow and arrow ones, the archers on top of the mountain are not there anymore. Which means now they could sneak in from behind because those archers wouldn't see them and get them. So that's what they did. They came in from behind, from the other side, and they started attacking again. They sneaked in from the other side and they started attacking again. And when they attacked again, some of the Muslims ended up being killed. When they came back from the other side, وَدَارَتِ الْمَعْرَكَ مِنْ جَدِيدٍ وَأُصِيبَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ بِسَبَبِ مَعْصِيَتِهِمْ so this was a sin. Those Muslims should not have come down. But they thought the battle is over. So they came. And the kuffar noticed that. So they sneaked in and started attacking again. And ended up killing some of the Muslims. Uh, and in fact when they attacked again. And they, some of the Muslims were killed. They even managed to hit the Prophet They managed to hit him. They managed to throw something onto him. And he came and hit him on the face and he was wearing like a helmet and a big dent went in the helmet and his tooth broke and he fell down so they managed to do that even the kuffar when they came back around the other side so that was the battle of Uhud that's what happened there uh, and so some of the Muslims were killed how many were killed in fact more than five 
more than 10? 70. وَاسْتُشْهِدَ مِنْهُمْ سَبْعُونَ شَهِيدًا فِي يَوْمٍ وَاحِدٌ وَهَذَا عَدَدٌ كَبِيرٌ فَكَيْفَ يُدْفَنُونَ So now, after everything finished, 70 Muslims had been killed. 70. So imagine trying to bury 70 people all in one go. So now, they had this situation, how shall we do all of this? How shall we do all of this burial and everything? How are we going to do it? All 70 people in one go. If it's one person, you can take care of everything and dig the grave out and do it, no problem. But when there's 70 people all in one go, now it became a bit confusing. How should we do it all? So they came and they presented their concerns to the Prophet that how are we going to do this? فَأَمَرَ صلى الله عليه وسلم أن يجمع بين الاثنين في قبر واحد والثلاثة في قبر واحد من أجل المشقة وإلا فإن الأصل أن كل ميت يدفن في قبر على حدا لكن عند الضرورة وعندما يكثر الأموات بسبب معركة أو بسبب وباء والعياذ بالله Here one of the issues was what? It was to dig out 70 graves it's difficult digging out so much dig out 70 graves was going to be a big issue so one of the things the prophet told them they can do is dig out the grave and they can bury two people in the same grave and even three people in the same grave two and three so this type of thing is normally not allowed Normally you're supposed to bury one person in one grave. But when there is a necessity, some type of situation, like in a battle where so many people are killed in one go and you need to bury them all. Or, the Sheikh mentions the waba, like some type of plague. Imagine some plague happens and people are dying in their tens and hundreds all the time every day. Big plague happening, many deaths, many burials. In that situation, again, you may need to bury multiple people, more than one person, in a single grave. فَجَاءَتِ الرُّخْصَةِ مِنَ الرَّسُولِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي الْقَبْرِ الْجَمَاعِ يُدْفَنَ الْإِثْنَانِ وَالثَّلَاثَةَ فِي قَبْرٍ وَاحِدٍ إِزَالَةً لِلْحَرَجِ وَالْمَشَقَّةِ وَكَذَلِكَ إِذَا قَلَّتِ الْأَكْفَانِ فَيُكْفَنَ الْإِثْنَانِ فِي ثَوْبٍ وَاحِدٍ وَهَلْ مَعْنَى ذَلِكَ أَنَّهُ يَجْمَعَ الْجَسَدَانِ وَيَلَفَّانِ فِي ثَوْبٍ وَاحِدٍ أَوْ أَنَّ الثَّوْبَ يُشَقَّ وَيُكَفَّنْ كُلُّ وَاحِدٍ عَلَى حِدَةٍ احْتِمَالَانِ وَارِدَانِ عَلَى هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ So one of the things you can do when there's so many deaths is that you can bury more than one person per grave to make it easier. Otherwise, big difficulty trying to dig out 70 graves. Another thing which is possible when you got so many people who have died in one go, you may struggle to shroud all of them independently. You may not have enough materials to shroud all of those bodies independently. So in this hadith, a permission was given that you can also shroud more than one person in one shrouding. What does that mean though? Does it mean that the Prophet was saying the normal cloth that you use to shroud a person in, chop it in half and squeeze 
enough cloth for one body and the other one just about enough for another body. What would normally be used for one shrouding, you're going to have to chop it in half and just about manage two bodies from what would normally be enough shroud for only one body. Does that mean that? Or does it mean leave the shroud as it is, the cloth as it is, and put two bodies into it? Both meanings may be correct. The Shaykh says it is possible either one of those two meanings could be correct when the Prophet allowed for multiple people to go into the same shroud. Does it mean your normal shroud cloth, chop it in half and just try to manage to get half of what you would normally use onto a body? Or does it mean leave it as it is and put two bodies into that one big shroud? Both explanations are possible. So the Shaykh says, what do we benefit overall from this hadith? A few points. Number one, that it is permissible, what we've just said now, to shroud more than one person in the same shroud at the time of need and necessity. Number two, that it is permissible to bury more than one person, two or three, within the same grave at the time of necessity. Number three, if you're going to bury more than one person in the same grave, which one should be facing the Qibla first? Who should be the closest one to the Qibla? The one who knows the most Qur'an. In the hadith, Dalil ala annahu yufadl man yahmil al-Qur'an fayuqaddam ila jihati al-Qibla idharan li fadilatihi wa sharafihi fahada fihi fadl hamalat al-Qur'an al-Kareem. So that indicates the virtue of those who have memorized the Qur'an that they are given the precedence in the grave. That's it. If you don't know, then you put them in whichever way. If it is unknown, it is unknown. Nothing you can do. But if you know, then that one is given the precedence. Al-Mas'ala al-Rabi'ah Fi al-Hadith dalil ala jawaz dafan akthar min wahid fi qabarin wahid idha da'at ila thalika al-durura Also, that it is permissible to bury more than one person in the grave. That was mentioned before. Also, في الحديث دليل على أن الشهيد وهو الذي قتل في المعركة لإعلاء كلمة الله لا يغسل بل يترك في دمائه. Also, the shaheed, one of the things that is mentioned about them is that they are not washed. And that blood remains upon them as they are, as a nobility for them. And they are left in that state and they are buried like that. That was the same as the person who is Muhrim, that you leave him upon that state how he was in those garments and you bury him. This is the other point. The martyrs, it mentioned in the hadith that the Prophet they were shouted, etc. But then, they weren't washed. He didn't pray upon them. He didn't do the janazah upon the martyrs. He did not do the janazah upon the martyrs. Fi al-hadith dalilun ala anna al-shaheed la yusalla alayhi li anna Allah akramah 
فليس بحاجة إلى الصلاة عليه Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ennobled the sincere and true martyr. So there is no need for the prayer upon him. Allah has already ennobled him, the sincere and true martyr. Hence, the prayer was not done. فَالشَّهِيدْ لَا يَحْتَاجِ لَا الصَّلَاةَ عَلَيْهِ لِأَنَّ الصَّلَاةَ شَفَاعَةً وَهُوَ قَدْ أَكْرَمَهُ اللَّهُ بِالشَّهَادَةِ The prayer is a means of intercession for that person. You're making dua for that person. But the shaheed, Allah has already ennobled him. Given him that martyrdom, given him that status, and there are hadith about how they will be able to do shafa'ah for members of their family, all types of virtues. So the shaheed is not in need of that prayer. فَلَا يَحْتَاجِ لَلصَّلَاةِ if, however, a person goes and fights sincerely for the sake of Allah to raise the banner of Tawheed and he's injured in battle, he survives though. He's injured in battle, he is uh, taken away from the battlefield, he survives some time after that, he eats and drinks, and then eventually he dies. That person, what's the ruling on him? Normal now. He didn't die in battle. Yes, he got the injuries and everything, but he survived. He ate, he drank, maybe a few days later, whenever it was afterwards, he died. Now with him, normal. He has not died in the battle, in the actual process. He died afterwards. So that type of person, you do the normal thing with then. Allahu alam if it's a condition. Maybe here the Shaykh just mentions it, perhaps as an indicator that there's a difference a time lag, a clear difference between occurring on the moment, on the battle, to something afterwards where he's now been separated from that, he's been eating, he's been drinking. Allah alam if it's a condition, but it at the minimum is an indicator that there's a clear separation from the actual battle to where he was when he died and his circumstances when he died. Condition or not, again, another point of research. ثُمَّ مَاتَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَإِنَّهُ يُعَامِلْ كَسَائِرِ أَمْوَاتِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَكَذَلِكَ الَّذِي يَمُوتُ بِالطَّاعُونَ Similarly, somebody who dies in some type of plague أو المرأة تموت في بطنها بالولادة or a woman who dies because of uh, pregnancy or some issue in pregnancy وَكَذَلِكَ الَّذِي يَمُوتُ بِهَدْن Somebody who is crushed أو حريق Somebody who is uh, burnt or somebody who is drowned, or somebody who is killed for his money, or his honor, or something else from the affairs which are from his honor and wealth, etc. All of these people are termed in the Sunnah as being shuhada. However, they are treated as normal in the janazah process. You do the normal thing, washing, shrouding, everything. They are termed as shuhada, those types of deaths. But in terms of the process in death, in the shrouding, burial, janazah, normal. That is all normal. But they are given the virtue and reward, etc. of being termed as the shuhada. So the shuhada are two types. A shuhada ala qismain. 
شهداء في الدنيا والآخرة The shuhada who are shuhada in this world and in the hereafter And they are the ones who die in the battle for the sake of Allah in the path of Allah So they are shuhada in this world and in the hereafter In this world they are shuhada because you do not wash them and you do not pray upon them And you do not shroud them in any other garments whatever they were wearing Leave them upon that. So they are shuhada in this world in that regard. You don't wash them, you don't change their clothes, you don't pray upon them, you bury them as shuhada. And in the hereafter, they are shuhada. They will have the reward of being shuhada in the hereafter too. So they are a high level. Shuhada in this world, shuhada in the hereafter. The second type of shuhada are the ones who are shuhada in the hereafter but they are treated as normal in their burial in this world and that's all of these people we've just been mentioning so these types of people are shuhada in the hereafter they have that nobility and reward but they are not considered as actual shuhada in terms of the rulings of the shuhada when burying them in this world so two types of shuhada shuhada in this world and in the hereafter and shuhada just in the hereafter in this world you bury them everything normal So all of these categories about the one who is killed for his wealth or the pregnant woman or the one who is crushed or the one who is drowned etc. one who is burnt they are shuhada in the hereafter. In this world you bury them as normal. The actual ones who die in battle they are shuhada in the hereafter but they are also shuhada in this world. So you don't change their clothes, you don't do the shrouding, you don't do the washing, you don't do the prayer. That's the difference between the two types. They say, some of the scholars, that there is a third category of shuhada you could mention. قَالُوا هُنَاكَ نَوْعٌ ثَالِثٌ وَهُوَ شَهِيدٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا فَقَطْ What could be the third category? First category was shaheed in this world and in the hereafter. Second category, shaheed in the hereafter, but normal treatment in this world when you bury them. Third one, shaheed. In this world, but not in the hereafter. Who is that? So, النوع الثالث شهيد في الدنيا فقط دون الآخرة وهو الذي قتل في المعركة مع الكفار ولكن نيته لا يقصد بها وجه الله لكن يريد طمع الدنيا يريد المال والفخر فهذا يعامل معاملة الشهداء لأنه لا يظهر لنا نحن نبني على الظاهر ولكن هو عند الله ليس بشهيد. That type of person when it comes to his burial, what's going to happen? An insincere person who went out and fought in battle and was killed. Shaheed. How do we do with his burial? Like a shaheed? You would bury him like a shaheed? Don't wash him, don't shroud him different, don't pray upon him as a shaheed. Because to us, we don't know what his intention was. So he is, according to us, from what we saw, shaheed. If he wasn't sincere, then in the hereafter he will not be considered from the shuhada. So as far as we're concerned, we don't know, we would bury them as the shuhada. But in the hereafter, if he was not, 
upon that way in reality, in sincerity, then he will not be considered from the shuhada in the hereafter. Uh, the final hadith we mentioned today. وَأَنْ عَلِي رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالْ سَمِعْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَقُولْ لَا تُغَالُوا فِي الْكَفَنِ فَإِنَّهُ يُسْلَبُ سَرِيعًا رواه أبو داود In this hadith, it basically mentions do not exaggerate with the shrouding because it will be, it will disappear, disperse so quickly in the grave. Meaning Islam tells us do not waste money on shrouding. Don't go and buy cloth for thousands of pounds and say my relative was dear to me, I'm going to shroud him in thousands of pounds expensive cloth. No need. The hadith tells us no need for that. You're going to bury him soon, the cloth will disintegrate into the earth, what a way. So the hadith says do not exaggerate. فَلَا يُسْرَفْ فِي الْكَفَنِ يَشْتَرِي مِنَ الْقُمَاشِ الْغَالِي وَإِنَّمَا يَكُونَ الْكَفَنِ مِنَ الْمُتَوَسَّطِ You get average cloth, not something bad. Average good cloth, but not expensive wasting money. فَلَا يَكُونُ مِنَ الرَّدِيِّ وَلَا مِنَ الْغَالِي so neither something bad and neither something expensive. Middle, normal, good cloth. Al-mayyit laysa bihaja ila al-mufakhara. A dead person doesn't need any good cloth. Expensive cloth. Doesn't need that. Doesn't need to be proud of this expensive garment now he's, he's getting shrouded in. So it tells us the hadith, the impermissibility of wasting money on that. Rather you get some good, decent cloth. Not bad, good, decent cloth. Do the shrouding in. But you don't waste money getting expensive, expensive cloth and shroudings for no reason. So that is what this hadith mentions. That's the one we'll stop on for today. Next week is uh, postponed because Cardiff Conference. So next week, one week off. One week holiday next week. In two weeks, we're going to be back here again. The homework, we had some issues today. One homework you need to find out. Did they remove the Prophet Wasallam's clothes when they shrouded him? No, that's it. You know the answer? You need to do the homework on it. And the second one was, when the shaheed, when somebody is injured on the battlefield, is it a condition that they have to have ate and drunk afterwards to be considered separated from the field now? Or does it just mean generally that they were separated, they ate, they drank, etc.? What does that mean? Is it a condition or not? So you can look into these issues we've been talking about. So, any other questions? We'll conclude there. What was it? Oh, go on. Anybody got it? You done it? You didn't do last week's homework and you want more homework. You're going to have too many homeworks. So now you've got two homeworks to do for next week. In two weeks. Alright, we'll conclude there then next week, one week off, in two weeks time, back to usual again, inshallah.